Welcome back to the Academy Football Network podcast. This is the first of three episodes with Yeovil Town Manager Darren Saul. Part one, Darren discusses his journey from grassroots football to the pro game and the trials and tribulations that come along the way. It's hard, it's hard to anchor the show in it without your right hand man, isn't it? Know, man. It's, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Massive time. Do we just go? Okay, we're back. Excellent. Season two, Academy Football Network podcast. And I'm so pleased to have. Who am I, what am I calling it? What am I calling it? Friend? Absolutely. Boss? Yeah, no, friend. Uh, um. Yeah, we'll start there. We'll start there and we'll go a little bit further into it. Um, thank you, Darren, um, Mr. Sal, Sali, uh, for coming on the show. I know we've been trying to get this nailed down for a little while now, but um, we are here um, in the lovely setting um, that you gave us uh, the pleasure to come and do. So thank you for that. Um, so we usually start the show with a little bit about yourself for the people that don't know you or haven't read the sort of depth of your, of, of your sort of background, your history, um, your experience, which is key. A lot of our viewers, a lot of our listeners um, want to get to know how people got involved in the environment, football. It's not always your traditional style, style in terms of coming into football, and I think you're probably one of those, those people. Um, so, where did it all start? Um, I actually started coaching at a really young age. I was 13 when I took my first team um, and I started coaching and just very much enjoyed it. Always enjoyed being a, a leader. Always, you know, I didn't mind being at the front and leading. Um, and it started from there and I, it was really when I, uh, I turned 16 and I'd, I'd had that disappointment of leaving a proper club, a good academy. Um, and uh, I went into my next stage, which was a, which are now very, very common, uh, a college program basically yeah, that yeah. was run um, uh, parallel with Hitchintown Football Club. And I met a guy called Robbie O'Keefe, who is um, now the academy manager at Stevenage, and worked together for a long time there. Uh, and Robbie was a coach educator for the FA, and he took me through my level two and my level three, but it was his influence really that gave me kind of... Him as a person. Him as a person, definitely. Him as a, definitely as a coach educator because I, I've not seen many better. Um, and and what I, it, was, it was really weird because by the time I took my level two at 17 and my UEFA B at 18, I'd probably done 30 of the courses. Wow. So I knew the courses like the back of my hand because what I used to do in the holidays as a, again, as a, player on or a student and a player on these courses was I used to go to wherever he was educating on behalf of the FA and I used to be a player to help the, yeah, yeah, the old men yeah. <laughs> get through the coaching sessions I loved it because I could run around carry on playing football every day but you just get ingrained and um, almost drenched with knowledge and information so by the time it by the time it come around to take my UEFA B when I was 18 it was so easy, and I, it's not a, it's not an arrogance. And um, I'm not coming from a place of 
I find coaching easy because I find coaching very hard. But because I've done so many of the courses, I know every session, every topic, you know, it was it really was um, you know, well rehearsed and, you know, the UEFA B didn't didn't kind of pose a problem. So by the time I had that, then then things started moving. I came out, you know, I was only a part time player, I was a semi professional player for a while and I just coached and I coached everything that I could get you know, kind of get an experience of. I coach three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds. I coach women's Premier League sides. I coached Centre of Excellences. I was youth team coach. I was reserve. I, I coached anything that someone would let me. I worked for companies during the day in schools and I'd be teaching basketball, touch rugby, wow. hockey, uh, anything that meant coaching. Because coaching is... The, the principles of coaching are lent to anything. It's transferable, isn't it? It's teaching. Yeah. So, you know, as long as you can, as long as the recipient can uh, have some sort of context to what you're trying to ask them to see, and we're all trying to, all out, whenever we work with young people or senior players, we're, all, we're always trying to paint a picture with words, and we're always trying to get them to buy into this, um, this uh, canvas of how you build something, and this is where we're going, and all of these elements come into it. And and I loved it. I used to love doing the basketball. We used to teach basketball and the rugby and all the stuff because it all was really... I used to use the football sessions and just put a rugby ball in someone's hand. Adapt it, adapt it. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, stuff like that, that, that was really it. But I, w- I wanted to coach. Looking back now, I wanted to coach more than I wanted to be a player from, I would say, my so mid-teens. You do your UA for B... After playing, still playing non-league. Still playing, yeah. Um, where does it go from here? So you're thinking, do you know what? I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I feel like the coaching's for me. I like, I love it. Yeah. Um, a, where did the A come in, or where yeah. did it sort of get more serious? Well, this is really important. Cause I think, I think the, the actual culture now of life, I call it a B Tech culture now, mm-hmm. and the B Tech culture is will get you there eventually with enough assessments during a course. When I started coaching, it was an A-level, it was an A-level culture. You will study, and then at the end, you'll get a test, yeah. and you'll have a pass or fail. Gun to your head, pass or fail. Pressure, everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when it came to the UEFA B at the time, the FA's way of um, scoring the UEFA B was, was grading it. So uh, D was a fail. C was a pass, but you're at your absolute ceiling. We don't think you're going to go any higher. B was you passed well, competently. Yeah. Work towards your A. Here's your action plan. Here's your time frames. This is what you need to do. And then an A, obviously, was forget the rest. Just, just fly. And, and at the time, I think it was two 25-minute sessions. I did 30 minutes out of 50. And the, and the tutor at the time was Bob Dowie, <coughs> Ian's brother. Yeah. And... Um, Wonderful coach educator, and uh, and he said, and, and five minutes into my second session, stop, enough, seen it. We sat down afterwards. He said, Darren, just come do your A license. Wow. But I then gave myself three years really of learning, mm-hmm. trying things, and then I went on to the course of the yeah. course program of the A license. That, I mean, you you hear that all the time now in regards to people trying to rush through the yeah. the, the badges, so to speak, and. Uh, quite interesting in hearing in regards to you done it even though someone said to you do you know what dude just go and do that hey you went you know actually let me enjoy the level really embed the learning 
um, and then do it when yeah. I'm still ready yeah. um, and I'll be ready and the badge ain't going nowhere. When, when I did the B licence, all my work was with ladies, with a ladies team. All my work was with a ladies Premier League South team. So at the time, ladies football was a national league, a bit like the conference, a yeah. national league Premier, mm -hmm. and then two regional leagues North underneath and North and South. Yeah. And I worked with this little village team called Langford Ladies, yeah. who were like the kind of like the overachievers in the division because it was a tiny, tiny club attached to a tiny, tiny amateur club, men's club. And uh, I started coaching there, and, and and that's what I did from 18 to 21. I went from coaching that to managing that. And over time, I, I was able, because my coaching was at a good level at the time, and coaching in women's football probably wasn't as developed as it is now, I ended up attracting a lot of young international footballers wow. to the club. And so we, we, went, from, we went from strength to strength. To strength. And um, I really enjoyed it. That's real management. You know, ladies football is, is where I learned to turn... Uh, coaching practices into coaches of man coaching sessions where you have to manage the individual. Mm, that's when I've. That's it because you, you can't take this. You know, there was no way I could take the same tone at that time from my playing background in, you know, in the Conference South, which is where I was playing, and apply that to the lady ladies' game. Oh my life! Yeah, I'd have yeah. it, it just it, 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 it wouldn't have worked. So, but that that's where I kind of did it. And then I did I just did three years of that. I tried everything. I did every system. You know, during that I became a youth team coach at Stevenage when it was a conference team. It had I was going to say where, where, did, where did sort of you started to develop into sort of the, that was, the boys stroke men's. men's that was probably twenty twenty one. Wow. I was head of community at Stevenage for a year. After a year, they moved me into, again, Robbie O'Keefe is now my boss. Yeah. From being a, you know, a huge influence, he's now employing me as his head coach. Yeah. And I'm working with the under-18s. We're talking staff that you know really well at Watford now. Yeah. They were my apprentices. The youth team coach at Stevenage now is one of those apprentices. Yeah. You know, so it was, uh, I, I got to work with some really good so players. Almost as well, it's like... What Robbie did for you, I started doing. You started to do for other people. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And and that's and that's how it builds over time. You end up building, you end up building a family really of yeah. people that you've you know helped, and then they come and work for you, and you get such a great product from them because they're so enthused, energized, motivated, all those sorts of things. Um, so I, I did the 18s. I did the 18s at Stevenage kind of made my name really doing that because we would always overachieve in the youth cup mm -hmm. you know and one year we played a, a Chelsea team in the third round we was only a national league side Stevenage at the time college program we took Chelsea to extra time wow. you know and they were, a, they were an eight million pound outfit at the time we're talking uh, uh, Barini, Frank Nuble, Miroslav Stock, uh, Van Aenholt, uh, Michael wow. Woods um, I mean we're talking some top top players Miroslav Stock plays every week in the Bundesliga you know, we're talking top, top players. And we're talking to extra time. So, we, you know, all those things helped build my profile, if yeah, you like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and allowed me then to kind of move into, into uh, the pro game. So, so you've gone from this sort of young, aspiring, uh, developed, or quickly developed coach um, to academy coach, youth team coach, um, Stevenage. Then where does it go? So uh, I did the reserves. Peter Taylor became manager at Stevenage and Peter just left Crystal Palace. Another good developer of young people. And he was, at the time, I mean, he was the next Terry Venables. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was, you know, he had the England stint. And, 
So when he left Crystal Palace and took Stevenage for the end of the year, he appointed me as reserve team manager. He was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, what a man. Really, really top man. But after that year, um, uh, I met Andy Scott. And Andy yeah. was on the A licence and we met and we became friends. He became, he was assistant manager at Brentford. The manager yeah. was sacked. That was Terry Butcher. Okay. Um, Terry was sacked. Andy took over as a caretaker and by the end of the season was the permanently appointed manager. manager. Yeah. And, he, and he gave me the, you know, he said, come and do the youth team. But the key for it with me, uh, for me with Andy was that he was saying, come and do the youth team and come and help me. Yeah, yeah. And, and, a, and his assistant. So, or now you're developing into a first team coach. So I'm getting that kind of that bridge now between, and I'd had the taste of it at Stevenage with the reserve team players and some very good reserve team players, but I was then getting that bridge of working with senior players. Yeah. And, that, you know, it was a tough school, a very, very tough school to, to go through. Because you were so young in terms of traditionally going into yeah, yeah, football yeah. and men's football so to speak you're probably of a similar age of some of the players if not maybe sometimes younger or yeah was that was that difficult at some times or was it okay because they respected you for your coaching um no it was difficult at times yeah no it was difficult i think you have to you know you have to go through a process um and we'll, i'm sure we'll get to this but <clears throat> you have to go through a process of becoming resilient and every time, in my opinion, every time you receive criticism or constructive criticism or feedback that says you can be better if you do something, and you come back out the next day and you get your boots back on, you put your training kit back on, and you come out there, you're developing layers all the time of resilience. Can't always be told you're the best. Yeah. Can't always be told, well done, son, brilliant, you can have a huge future. You see that in kids in terms of <clears throat> academy football where a good player goes through it, yeah. never been told no, always been told you're the best or you're in the top bracket of the group. Absolutely. You go through the rankings, you go through the age groups, all of a sudden you're in a reserve and you're told, hang on a minute, you're not yeah. quite ready. Yeah. And it's such a drop for some of these young people in terms of football environment. So Unbelievably. I can totally identify with that. So Brentford, you're in that, you're in that first team world now, I guess. Half uh, and half. Yeah, yeah, yeah half uh, and half. Yeah, so... Where does it go from there? Is it, is it? So I went to Rotherham. I had a year at Rotherham United. Oh, so you went up north. So I went in. I went north. Um, and as you know, my my wife is a um, is a northerner <laughs> from the northeast. So going to yeah. Sheffield was a <laughs> at that stage in my life a good compromise because I could I could kind of meet both worlds. Um, but uh, I loved it out there. Sheffield was. I lived in Sheffield. Yeah. And I absolutely loved it. What an amazing place. Yeah. I loved the people. I love the, and we don't realise it in London uh, or in the South as much, there is a more community feel yeah. in the North. There is a camaraderie and a spirit of... The neighbourhood of the town. The exactly, and we look after our own type yeah. sort of ring of people. And um, I, I loved it out there. But like everything in football, you know, I'm now in a world where uh, because I'm kind of tiptoeing into first team football yeah. and youth team football. When new managers come in, they don't always want Darren Sale. Yeah. So I'm I'm not just I'm I'm doing it in a, in a looking back I did it in a really difficult way because I I put myself out there and I put myself into an environment where longevity in a role was always going to be it's going to be tough. So I, yeah. I started experiencing you know being paid up being told I was no longer needed. First team manager doesn't want you anymore. Mm. 
And what's that like? I mean, it's, it's part of the it's part of the environment. Yeah. Now. That's what managers always often talk about in terms of yeah being being sacked basically, yeah. and and it's part of the job, which you, you find strange because in any other organisation, any other environment, yeah. being sacked is isn't something that you want to be talking about. No, but I think managers now in any sense in football it's something that you're kind of yeah it's, it's part of the job and actually and, it, and again you have to go through it yeah and, and, and we go back we go back to resilience all the time as soon as you go through it and you choose to go back into it you add a layer because someone's you know it's a criti- you're being criticised when someone says to you I no longer want you in my organisation I don't want you to you know uh, to, uh, to be part of what we're doing and our vision and the future it, you know, it's not nice. It's not nice to hear. And and in any other employment role, primarily, pretty much, you know, sort of the majority base is there's a process to that eventuality happening. In football, it's this your contract says X. (laughs) We give you Y. Get your taxi and 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 off and off you trot. So that was kind of my first. um, That was that was definitely my first experience of not being. You know, a new manager coming in. We want our own people. I've got no problem with it, by the way. It yeah. happens. Yeah. It's not something I do. Yeah. It's not something I do. I'm actually quite against it. Um, but that's going to happen. So, from Rotherham, I was really lucky at the time because um, finishing Rotherham, Steve Nidge phoned me literally within days and said, the academy manager's spot. And they'd wanted me for two or three years once they'd got back in the league with Graham Wesley. And I'd always said, no, I was happy, I'm doing this, I'm da-da-da-da-da. And, uh, and then I went back into the first kind of academy manager role that I ever did at Stevenage. And that was with no first team football. Part two, out 5th of January. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe. <laughs>